That really threw me for loop. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ben Juan from Superhouse, and I'm here with Andrew. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And riddle me this. Who is the most underrated Batman? <laughs> the answer being Val Kilmer, because we just saw Batman Forever, and that is what this month's Batman movie revisit is about. We finally arrived, and I don't want to make the audience wait anymore for this. We have to get right the fuck to it. Hit it, Ben! Oh, my God. You guys... Nostalgia kicking in yet? This is the best song of all time. Is this better than Prince? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that this song has more staying power than Prince. Oh, yeah, song. it does. Nobody really remembers Party Man if, who hasn't, like, heard that. Here, I'll turn this off. Or Bat Dance yeah. or something? Bat yeah, no, no. Nobody actually remembers it unless they're thinking about the movie. But Kiss from a Rose, people remember it regardless of Batman Forever. Right, and it's weird too because we we just watched it like we did the other uh, episodes, and mm-hmm. it doesn't come up. It's not even the first song in the end credits. No, it's, it's way deep at in the, the very end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's not even featured in the movie like it would be in the Burton ones when they try to incorporate Prince. You'd think they'd try to fit that in like during the dance sequence or something like that, but it's not in there. It was like it was an afterthought. Kind of. I don't think they realized... I, I don't know what the process was when it came up with the soundtrack, but obviously they're like, this movie, this song's a hit. We should put this in the movie somewhere. They'll just throw it right <laughs> in the end and be done with it. Oh, man. I'm glad we got that out of our system. Yes. So... Uh, this was 1995 when this movie came out, and this was kind of the first time where we were both kind of of the age to be seeing the hype of it. Yes. I was one years old when... <laughs> one year old when 89 came out, so that wasn't it... Uh, and I was still too young for Batman Returns. Around like '94 or so, they had the Warner Brothers stores. They opened a bunch of Warner Brothers stores. I was in the one in Costa Mesa, and I just remember being a kid, just wandering around, and they had a huge screen showing stuff. And then suddenly, they just showed the Batman Forever trailer, and oh, I hadn't yeah. seen anything because remember this is pre-internet. You can't just look shit up. I had no idea what was going. I had no idea what was coming up, but I yeah. knew there was going to be a new Batman movie. I knew that I knew the cast of it. I just hadn't seen any of the footage of it yet until I saw it, and I was like transfixed. And the trailer has the Danny Elfman Batman theme. Oh, so, oh really? Yeah, okay, it is. Yeah. Both the trailers for Batman Forever and Batman Robin use the Danny Elfman music. Holy so crap. I was like, holy shit, this brings me back to the 89 movie. I wanted to rewatch the VHS tape when I got home, and I was so excited. And we went to like Costco a few weeks before the opening of the movie, and they're like, oh, here's the soundtrack. And I thought, oh, I can finally get the Batman theme. Right. And listen to it, and we put it in, and instead of the Batman theme from Elfman, it's U2's Hold Me, <laughs> me Kiss Me, Kill Me. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm pretty sure I cried. But <laughs> it wasn't until later that I came to appreciate that soundtrack because it has everybody. And it's got Brandy, Mazzy Starr, Offspring. Brandy, oh my Nick God, Cave, dude. Uh, Nick Cave is on that Nick Cave is in it, yeah. Uh, called There Is A Light. Uh, Michael Hudgens, if I didn't mention him already. Um, obviously, Kiss From A Rose. And as I was introducing to Andrew beforehand, Method Man did a song about the Riddler. I had no idea. I did not have the soundtrack to this movie, (laughs) so I don't... (laughs) Well, this was my second most viewed VHS tape. Holy shit, really? And this is probably the first live-action Batman movie I saw in a theater. Because I was still too young for 89 and Returns. Okay, so I saw... I'm like, what, a couple years older than you, I think. Mm -hmm. So I definitely saw 
Returns in the theater. That was my first one. So my Returns was your Forever. I think. Is what I happened. think so because I don't even remember. I remember going to see Forever. I don't remember seeing Returns. Yeah, I saw Returns in the theater, and I saw, of course, Forever. And I mean, man, I I wish I remembered more from this time period. I mean, I remember having a, a lot of the figures, and I remember, you know, of course, Jim Carrey. And uh, but I don't know. I feel like there, there should be more I remember about this movie, but there, it just had, doesn't have like as much lasting power as the Burton ones in some way. I don't know what it is. Even though I've always kind of had the hot take, and I've said on the before that I felt like Forever was better than Batman Returns. But I know I'm jumping the gun with the rankings a little bit. But I right. might I might be overturning my hot take. <laughs> Not that I've come to hate Batman Forever. I still had a good time watching it just right. now, mm-hmm. but. It's and there's a lot of good things about this movie, but it's just not as good as those first two, I think. Right. So let's I let's just dive in then into opinions. Uh, okay. One thing that I think a lot of people sort of overlook is the fact that this is kind of the first time they tried to make it about Bruce Wayne. Yeah, they did. Not as there much as attempt. like the Nolan there stuff. Was there was an attempt. attempt, but more so than like Kilmer in the first sequence has more lines than Keaton ever did in the first like hour of each of the Burton yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's still there's a clear attempt to try to make it more about Bruce Wayne. And I was telling Andrew as we were watching it, and I was just like, you know what? For something that gets a lot of shit for how it portrays Batman, the actual Batman portrayal in these movies is actually legit. Like there's the the yeah. stuff that people associate with the Schumacher movies that they hate about it has nothing to do with the actual portrayal of the Batman character, uh-huh. which I thought was fascinating. Uh, what gets the people is the tone, the cartoonish nature of it, but even then, like, if you know about the 60s show, if you come to appreciate, like, you know, how Batman can be for kids and things like that, like, it's not, like, I don't necessarily hold it against the movie for being cartoonish. So the 90s, for, if we have any young listeners out there, it was, it's kind of known for being kind of a dark decade mm-hmm. people were super into dark movies um matrix is a good example pulp fiction whatever yeah. you want to want to call it so when these movies came out people weren't like really in the mood for it they really i think they really wanted burton again maybe and i think it seemed like they sort of i mean this movie was a hit right yeah it was but i still think you could start to see people's perceptions turn on the franchise and then when you get to batman and robin that's when it really took a nosedive right but i feel like if those movies came out today not changed much Mm. people would accept them more for some reason because now there is more acceptance than ever for batman 66 and Mm -hmm. i think in the 90s i mean i was a kid so my perception is skewed probably (laughs) but i i feel like People did not want Batman 66 back then. People didn't understand it. They thought it was way too campy. But mm-hmm. now people, maybe audiences are more sophisticated than they used to be. I don't know what it is, but you have like people that be like, okay, that's that Batman. Yeah. This is this Batman. We can have both. Both both can exist in our world. Well, I mean, look at how much Batman shit there is right now. You got Pennyworth on Epics. Yeah. You got the upcoming movie with Pattinson. You got the upcoming Joker movie, which is not even like supposed to be related to that. You got uh, the Batwoman show on the CW show, and also they just announced, and I fucking called it, they just announced as of this recording, I should say, uh, Kevin Conroy is coming to the Crisis on Infinite Earths on the CW crossover uh, I was, later this year. I was, A, 
I thought that was unbelievable, but then at the same time, I was not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable that you called it, but not shocked that it's happening. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know. It's had a weird... So, day. it's... There's so many different interpretations all at once, and I'm not even including Lego Batman. I'm not including uh, the you know the Ben Affleck version that we've been watching, uh, or the video games and everything like that. So I think there's already a sense of like, okay, we'll accept multiple versions of this this character. Yeah. As opposed to back then, where I'm just like, this was the only type of Batman media you could get outside of maybe the Batman animated series. Some Super Saturday. Nintendo games. Yeah, yeah. But there was no like. Oh, there's also going to be another movie and a TV show and, and this and that. Like, there, right. there's so much more right now than there was back then that you kind of had to take what you could get. And it had this sense of there being just an absolute version, this definitive version. This right. this movie is it. It has to be it because this is the only representation yeah. that we have of this. Other than the Fox cartoon. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Let's dive in then to... Uh, I guess one, a couple of things I want to dive into before we get to that is um, what people seem to overlook is this is the first time that we saw the uh, different parts, different mainstays from, mainstays from the comics that weren't in the previous Burton films. One of those being Wayne Enterprises. Yes. I had never seen Bruce Wayne as the businessman that much before. Right. He was always kind of the recluse. It's like an aloof rich dude. Yeah. That's it. Uh, and then the first time we saw the GCPD rooftop with the bat signal, yes, we had already seen the bat signal in the sky, but we've never actually seen him show up to the rooftop. Now, unfortunately, there was no scene really. There's no conversation really between him and Gordon like there would be in the Nolan movies. Right, it was between him and Chase Meridian. We'll get to her later. Um, but, <laughs> um, oh, it, it was the first time that you got to see like the giant ass bat signal and the spark. You know, the the expansive rooftop and everything. And then lastly, Arkham Asylum. And Arkham Asylum looks legit. It, yes. At the end of this, yes. it looks amazing. Um, yes. And he, he brings Arkham again in, in Batman and, and Robin. And I, I really like his take on what Arkham looks like, the very creepiness to it just from the outside. I like how his GCPD rooftop looks like. Like There's there's certain things about how he brought those elements to life that I, I do like that I think people tend to overlook because they're too busy talking about the nipples on the bat suit. That's the thing. People look at that and they think that these movies are terrible. But like, like you're saying right now, yeah, there is a lot done right in right. this movie. Mm-hmm. Is may, may even be one of the more underrated Batman movies. Period. Not just having an underrated Batman. Right. Um, I think the score got kind of a bit of a flack because uh, I remember I remember sitting in the theater as a kid and I'm like I'm going to see a Batman live action movie for the first time and I had watched obviously 89 constantly and I was expecting the Elfman theme. So yes. imagine my surprise in the first few minutes when it was not the Elfman theme at all. Yeah, it was a different, completely different superhero thing. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I was bummed out. But to be honest, like. Elliot Goldenthal's score for this is a perfect match for this type of movie. It's got it's got a whole mix of 
everything because this has a million different tones to this movie and he's able to, to just yeah. switch yeah. off so he's got the action themes for the action yeah. he's got the darker more depressing music for like the flashbacks or the, the scenes where he's talking to Dick Grayson he's got the weird wonky 1960s type score uh, going on every now and then once the big action sequences and they don't really have this type of score anymore you know th- there's not really anything to the style at this point like a lot of the if you listen to a lot of the the soundtracks or scores, it's it's either something that's along the like Hans Zimmer type vein, or it's something very much around the um, same type of feeling in each of the Marvel movies. So this is this is kind of it, it fits this type of Batman. It's not my favorite theme personally. I do prefer you know the Elfman version and the animated series version, but for what this is, it fits. I mean, it goes to show you that I mean, what's this guy's name? What? Elliot Goldenthal. Elliot Elliot Goldenthal. Golden Thal. Yeah. Golden Thal. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I never composed a movie, you know, a movie score <laughs> right. before, but it's just, you know, we don't know this guy's name at the end of the day. Like, right. we, like we know Elfman. Yeah, not, not you know? in the same way. Yeah. Um, so let's dive in character by character. I do want to address the one character who's not from the comics first, uh, and that's Dr. Chase Meridian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, yes. Let's go with that. So, Dr. Chase Meridian, honestly, I think it's kind of genius to give him a psychiatrist girlfriend. Yes, who's I, I kind of a therapist that. who kind of is talking about duality and everything like that. Uh, I like that. I'm surprised it didn't really get incorporated into the comics. Chase did make it into the comics in 2013 in a three part arc in the digital series Legends of the Dark Knight, uh, where she actually helps uh, Bruce. She, she sort of helps Batman understand the Riddler while dating Bruce Wayne and she helps put the Riddler away and funny enough the prosecutor is Harvey Dent so you still kind of have Batman Riddler the future true face and Chase in the same story uh it's written by Mark Guggenheim uh funny enough Chase is um she has red hair uh her skin tone is darker which makes her look like a uh, quote-unquote person of color mm-hmm. uh if you have, if you take offense to me saying that, then fuck you because I'm a Chinese American, so I can say that. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's the that's the correct way to say yes, it. Yes. Okay. It? I don't know. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> that's a, a POC man. Yeah. I think so, that's what you're supposed to say. I don't think they had the the rights to Nicole Kidman's likeness, so that's uh, why they changed it or something like that. But it happened the, a lot back in the day. There was a Mission yeah. Impossible in '64 game, and they could not get the rights to Tom Cruise's face. <sighs> that's dumb. <laughs> But yeah, Chase did make it into the comics. I do think the idea of the character is a little underrated. I do think her trying to seduce Batman on a rooftop was way over the top, especially for something that seemed to be geared towards kids. Uh, but I mean, Nicole Kidman makes it work. She's you know hot in this. I hopefully you know there was uh, there were other things that they were going to give the character to do, which I'll talk about in another episode. Uh, and sort of was supposed to give her more depth than just her trying to you know use her body to seduce Batman. Um, on a thematic level, uh, Meridian, do you know the prime Meridian on the globe? That's the oh middle. Of okay. The, okay. Yeah. Uh, the reason why she's named Chase Meridian is because he's chasing the middle. He's chasing the balance between his two sides. That's they why. thought that deeply for Batman it forever. Was. Yes, it was. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. So that, so some appreciation for Chase Meridian. She is kind of underrated as a character not a lot of people talk about her that much and i can see why because she doesn't really give that much to do but i like the idea behind it i i mean look this is one of those forgotten characters yeah. most people don't <laughs> even remember who she is they're like and she had a poster her, it was, she had her own poster she yeah had up with batman robin jim carrey you know and two-face like 
it, it's just weird. It's like she's an addition to the Bat mythos that I think we should. I could see more of. I mean, she was a cool yeah. character, and like you said, the him having a psychologist for a girlfriend mm-hmm. is such an intriguing idea. And they did hit on it as much as well, not as much as they could, but at least they exploited that factor in the in the movie. At least a little bit. I feel like you know, with uh, if it was a better movie, it would have exploited it a little better. But right, I, I liked it for the most part. And yeah, Nicole Kidman's looking great in the movie. And um, I don't really have any complaints about Chase yeah. Meridian. Really, I mean, she was she was fine. I think what's interesting is that she's probably. The, I mean, look at all the other quote-unquote therapists in the Batman mythos. you got Hugo Strange, you got <laughs> yeah. Harley Quinn, you got Scarlet... Like, nobody is actually, right, so like, a lot of legit. therapists going on. Yeah. So, to have her actually be a good person and everything, like a good doctor, for once, because you got tons of mad scientists and shit that Batman's fighting. Right, right, uh, right. It's kind of refreshing, in a way. So, that's all I got for Chase Meridian. Let's move on to the more important characters. Yeah, now. I wish I had more, but I, I just do not. Like, it's Chase Meridian. <laughs> that's, no, that's fine. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody's listening to this hoping that we have a lot of great insights into her. Are they going to put her back in the comics in Rebirth like they're doing with Phantasm in 2020? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's not as... She's not as in-depth of a character as Andrea Beaumont, so I wouldn't right. be surprised if the only time we've ever seen her in the comics is in that arc that I just described. Okay. Uh, you want to move on to Batman then? Let, let's go to the title character. Let's go to the title character. For one, because remember Batman Returns, we talked all about the villains, and then at the last two minutes, we're like, oh yeah, Batman's in this Dude, movie. Th- that goes to show you, like, <laughs> the kind of impression that these movies leave. You know what I mean? Like, Yes, but to be fair, this one has way more Bruce Wayne. It has way more yes, Bruce Wayne. It's yes. got more Alfred in it. It gives him an actual story or tries to give him an arc. So a few things that I appreciate about the Val Kilmer Bruce Wayne in this, uh, the only time he played Bruce Wayne. Uh, this is the first time we get to see Bruce Wayne out in public as a public figure. We never really got that with Michael Keaton. In fact, he was more of a sort of mysterious character. Nobody knew who the fuck he was yes. in the 89 movie. That's why Vicky Vale asked, straight up asked him which one of these guys is Bruce Wayne. This is kind of the more preferred version of Bruce Wayne that I have over any of the other types he's still kind of a playboy like you'd see on the the christian bale version but he's unlike the christian bale version he's a more responsible businessman he's a philanthropist there's a part where they talk about uh nigma's boss's supposed suicide and that he wasn't on the insurance plan and and there's a bit where where bruce says like yeah pay his family anyway i like that yeah that was that was great um so this is the first time we see him at the company we see him on magazine covers we see him as like being interviewed by the press the media uh, goes to the charity circus and everything. So this is very much the Bruce Wayne I grew up with, with the cartoons. Um, so I like that. I like the exploration into the past. Uh, the yeah. killer in the shadows sort of hints at Jack Napier. Um, he's the only Bruce Wayne we've seen in live action to look forlornly at the portrait of his parents. There's okay, no yeah. photograph of the parents and any of the other past ones that he like looks at and, and broods at or anything. Say we get in awkward scenes with Fishy Swa or them long <laughs> right. big ass table. <laughs> right, but we never really saw our- we never saw Thomas Wayne outside of uh, the flashback in, in the Burton movies. That's true. So yes. this is kind of the first time where like he sees the picture. I'd rather it be the big, huge ass painting above the fireplace, like in the comics. But <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get. Yes. Uh, they had a creative shortcut too to um, 
you know, you usually see the pearl necklace breaking and everything, and they didn't do that in this version. They did the roses. Yes. And I thought that was an interesting way to do a shortcut. Was that just to be different, you think? I think that was just to be different. There was kind of a weird debate about whether or not Batman Forever is in continuity with the Burton movies. Just because the flashbook was a little different. It's a soft reboot, right? Like they're just taking what they want. It is want. a soft reboot, and then when I get into the, uh, the the script stuff in the next episode, you'll you'll see just how many how tied in it was originally supposed to be. Okay. Uh, the, but they're like little callbacks, like the part where Dick's like, you know, your parents were killed by a maniac, and Bruce is just like, yes, they were. Right. Uh, that feels like a callback to 89, because if he didn't know who his parents' killer was, uh, or even if he did know it was Joe Chill or something, he wouldn't really call him a maniac. Depending on that, that's true. That's true. Uh, let's see. Into the man himself. The I like the bat suit in this one. Everybody gives it shit for having nipples. Which one? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the the one that he's in for most of the movie. Okay, not the not the final form one. The final form one is a little too chrome silverish for yes, me. You know, that's gonna shine in the dark like crazy. Yeah, it? but it also is kind of the precursor to the Batman Begins suit in a bit because it's got the giant bat on the chest that isn't really it's colored. It's not yellow, yeah. Also, that is the suit that they painted black over for actors to audition for Batman and Batman Begins. The exact one? The exact one. If you wow. look at the audition tape for uh, Batman Begins, you can see uh, that it's basically the sonar suit from Batman Forever, but colored black. You can tell by the okay. ears, because on the side of the ears, there's uh, little uh, like lines on it. Yeah, and, and the, the mouth portion and the upper, like near the jaw, it's got this little like curve too that I think is not on many of the suits. Yeah. So I like that Kilmer, uh, you know, I like that Kilmer is the playboy Bruce Wayne type. I like that he is kind of, as Batman, he still plays it kind of like how Keaton did it with the whole yes. very much yes. the like low voice sort of he's a more talky version of the Keaton version but yeah. he, he still comes off as very uh, still got that stoic strong demeanor to him that I like yes yes I agree um, and he just seems a little bit more intelligent in this one <laughs> he knows what's going on he, most of the time yeah like yeah. how he, he fig- he's figuring out Riddler's stuff he's talking yeah. about uh, different things over and over and I'm just like okay I like this one uh, which kind of leads into the debate Keaton or Kilmer? It's tough, man. Yeah. There. How do I say this without pissing everybody off? <laughs> not that I even care to piss everybody off or right. not, but there was a part of me that really likes Kilmer. Actually, yeah. I like. I feel like if maybe the perfect combination for a '90s Batman is actually Kilmer in the Burton movies. If I had my say, yeah. Not that I. I mean, I really love Keaton. He is my first Batman, mm-hmm. but. Man, I don't know what it is. Like Kilmer has such a he seems like there's so much going on under the surface. Yeah. More than Keaton, I think. And that's what mm. that's what that's what gets me about Kilmer. Kilmer's good at kind of like I don't know, just watching this movie, you only get to see what he wants you to see when he's Bruce Wayne. Right, yeah. But you, as, as an audience member, you know he's also really playing with that like there's just so much there and he wants to show it to at least chase it one part, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but like, there's just there's more mystery to Kilmer. There's more mystery, I think. Yeah. There's there's he plays off the duality more. He's I more think. fucked up, you know. Yeah. You can see he's like kind of covering up some trauma. Yeah, because he's dealing with that shit. Yeah, he's they flat out saying the DVD. There's like a DVD featurette about 
casting Kilmore, and they said like you look at him and you're not really sure what he's thinking. That's, that's what I really part like of about what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I'm like, he gets you know, Kilmer is one of the more underrated Batman's because nobody really talks much about him. That's There's why. a sketch about. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah, this sketch. Like, remember this guy? He played Batman, George Clooney. <laughs> no, 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 the other one, Christian ben Bale. Affleck? Yeah, I love it. Was George Clooney? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the sketch. Yes, everybody forgets he was fucking Batman. That's from. Uh, fuck, what is it called? Workaholics or no, no, no. It's from that one with Warwick Davis. Life oh. is short or something. Oh my god, dude! I don't. We both saw it. And we both forgot. I have it, no it's, idea. Well, it's the same show where Liam Neeson goes on and tries to do comedy, and he's like, "I'm riddled with AIDS." What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, those are the most famous parts from that show. But it, anyway, yeah, he's a Kilmer. Kilmer, is, Kilmer killed it. He's more believable as a playboy Bruce Wayne. He's almost more believable as a fighter, even though he doesn't really like. There's some stuff where you can tell it's the stuntman in the bat suit. But same thing with Keaton. But there's there's stuff where um, that's okay, man. I think. The action sequence. I was talking. We were watching it. And I was like, "Is it just me, or is Kilmer's Batman a better fighter than they, Keaton's?" They had gotten better at shooting fight scenes. Or I think something so too, because '95 yeah. also was the year Mortal Kombat came out, mm-hmm. and I remember even as a kid, I was like, "This is the pinnacle of fucking fighting in American <laughs> movies right now." So maybe they took a page from that. Like that was in the air at the time. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the fighting is better, and it's just one of those things that gets overlooked, like you said, because of the nipples on the suit. Yeah, so I'm just, everyone counts it against that, but, uh, and, you know, lines like, I'll get drive through. I'm <laughs> like, okay, well, you can't really blame that on Kilmer, that that was in the fucking script. No, it's not Kilmer's fault. It's fucking, yeah. you know, well, you know, the screenwriters. Kiva Goldsman. Or not like even Kiva, the screenwriters, it's the, it's the producers, right? It's really yeah. the McDonald's, really. McDonald's, yes, it's the money behind when I first, all this shit. Yeah, I was, I was telling Andrew as we were watching it, um, even when I was seven and I was watching this and I saw that I'll get drive through was, it was part of the McDonald's commercial. I was like, Oh, that's funny as a, as a Batman commercial. Yes. And then I saw the movie and then it was in the beginning of the movie. I'm like, what, this is an actual movie and I'm seven <laughs> years old and I'm already picking up on this. Yes. Like, that's kind of weird. I'm not liking this in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm Kilmer versus Keaton is, it's a tough call. Really? It's, it's, it's really weird for me because it's like, I, I don't, there's something that's holding me back from ranking Keaton. I mean, Kilmer wholly above Keaton. However, it's it's not. I can't really place what it is. Well, Keaton is in better Batman movies, straight up. It could, yeah, it could but just be that. Kilmer case. is such a good fucking Bruce Wayne Batman. He been, yeah, he's that he could have killed it if this was a trilogy with with Kilmer in all three. I hope he comes back to the MCU or something. They should, they could use. Well, Kilmer he's going to be Blunt Man in the James Silent Bob reboot. I can't <laughs> so. wait. I love that. I forgot about that. And we'll, he's also we'll he's um, you know he he's also a, he gained a bit of weight over the years, but I believe he's lost it again because he's in Top Gun Two. Well, yeah, he also had throat cancer. Oh, he did. Well, yeah, there's also so that affected his his voice. So I don't know how much he's going to be talking in in either of those movies, either Jay and Silent Bob or Top Gun. I did 2, not know that. Okay, he'll be. Right. Yeah, his voice got fucked up. Like I, I I saw the interview and it was kind of it was heartbreaking, really, because he could barely talk. It sounded like a voice box thing. But I don't know. I don't think he was still in recovery. Oh at that man, time. what a bummer. But he, I mean, he's good in this. I'm just, I don't know, honestly, in terms of ranking-wise. Like, I kind of want to rank him with Keaton, but something, there's some element to Keaton other than the movies. I don't, I don't know if it's just, like, the the eyes that he gave, the intensity in the suit. I'm not sure. But it's a, it's a very close.
yeah. It's a very close it's second. surprisingly close, right? Yeah. Depends, you know, seeing as how different the movies are, the movies surrounding the central mm-hmm. character, but despite all that being different, the race of the Batman is so close yeah. between these exactly. two. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about the guy who actually did steal the show, though. <laughs> Jim Carrey, bro? <laughs> Just Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, do you want to go first on this one? Uh, I'll let you go first. Go, go ahead. Okay. Man, I got to tell you. Uh, Jim Carrey, I fucking love him. I've always loved Jim Carrey. I, I don't know what it is. The thing is, whenever you're a kid, I you know, I watch a lot of Looney Tunes, watch a lot of Bugs Bunny, uh... I, there was early Cartoon Network had no um, original programming. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in this weird time in the 90s where you we were able to see so many Looney Tunes growing up. So when Jim Carrey starts to get big, he's like this live-action Looney Tune. <laughs> right, and yeah. I fucking love it. I eat it up. Mask, Ace Ventura. I think Ace Ventura 1 and 2 I saw more than anything probably more than Batman maybe just because I always love comedy I don't know what it is Maddie doesn't understand that (laughs) anyway um, uh, Dumb and Dumber I've seen a billion times Mm. there's something about Jim Carrey I like that slapstick humor a lot of people say it's stupid humor I happen to love overacting (laughs) I think it's great it's perfect for this it's perfect for this they went for Adam West feel why not I dressed up as the Riddler for Halloween. His Riddler really? for Halloween when I was a kid. You tell me this. Okay. Yeah. My mom made the suit. My mom sews. Oh, okay. So my mom made the fucking suit. Do you have the red wig too? I didn't have the red wig, okay. but I had the mask. I think I had some sort of plastic cane too. Okay. But it was. But the thing is, it was tight spandex. And oh, even yeah. when I was a kid, I, I wore it to this <laughs> Halloween party at school. Mm-hmm. And... It was just too tight. It was just, I remember being uncomfortable. Well, it wasn't like I couldn't breathe, but it was just, you know. It's things like, showing. Yeah, things showing, man. It's like too much, dude. But that's, but I just love. why you got to wear a cup. Yes. Or a, what do you call it? A dance belt. Oh, yeah. That's what they call it. Yeah. No, I wear a cup whenever, whenever I wear the bat suit. Oh, shit. All right. Well, anyway, I fucking love it. I love this performance of Jim Carrey. Um, it's way over the top, but it should be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, God, is there anything bad about this performance? I mean, I'm, I'm gushing. Go, go is, ahead, Ben. Yeah, I mean, he's the ultimate successor to Frank Gorshin. Yes, yeah. yes, uh, absolutely. He, there, there's, I would say, under the whole theme of this being an underrated movie, I'd say Riddler's probably one of the more underrated Batman villains. This version, because uh, there's yeah. a lot that they added to this character that. I've got prepared here as my notes, but there's a lot that they've added here that nobody really talks. Everyone's just like, okay, yeah, there's Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey and being Ace Ventura as the Riddler or whatever. It's bullshit. There's stuff that they added to the Riddler mythos, and the main thing is there's an interesting origin that they take with this. I've never really been impressed with the Riddler's origin in the comics. And all the comic versions I've read, it's just like, oh, like, I love puzzles. I'm a genius. I can take on Batman. I'm going to become a criminal. Right. There's no depth to that. And for, and funny enough, as cartoonish as these movies seem to be, they could have easily done that. Right. But instead, right. they took a different route. They went with the whole, uh, uh, the Bachelors, when they were writing the script, just to give you a preview of the next episode. But uh, they said, if we have to do two villains, then we have to make one be Batman's villain. And that means the Riddler has to be Bruce Wayne's villain. Love it. I mean, yeah. that's good writing. This is this is, sounds like people that know what they're doing. Yeah. So while Two Face has the vendetta against Batman, Riddler involves Bruce Wayne, 
and it sort of flips the comic book origin that typically happens with villains or just like, I hate you, Batman. Well, now it's about the alter ego uh, and trying to be better than him, better than being the smartest man in the world, being a better businessman and everything. And that feels way more deep than what we got in the comics. Also, as you might have noticed, it actually gave an explanation to why Riddler has a costume. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but Riddler in the comics doesn't really have much of a dual identity. Sure, he's got he's okay. known as Nick, Edward Nigma outside of the costume, but everybody kind of knows that he's the Riddler. He doesn't really have a double life. He's not really hiding who he is. Right. It doesn't really matter. But, That's not the riddle for him. Exactly, but in this movie, he is. He has a secret identity. Right, right, right. right. He's trying to be like Bruce Wayne. He even dresses up in the same tux. Gets okay, the mole thing. let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. I did not notice that ever until this viewing. <laughs> I did not notice that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I guess I was not a very smart kid. I don't know. Right. But him trying to copy Bruce Wayne, that's just something I did not pick up on. I don't know. I- it, it, well, I think it's also just because this doesn't seem like the type of movie when on first viewing that would have a lot of depth to it. So yes. to have that type of elements in there, it's easy to miss because you're not looking for it. Uh, for Especially when you're... 11. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that too. But <laughs> now that we're, you know, more mature, hopefully, we can somewhat. see <laughs> somewhat more mature. We can see, like, okay, there's some elements here. Even, like, the red wig, it's not traditional. It's not part of the comics. But it actually kind of makes sense because it makes him even less recognizable when he switches from Nigma to, to Riddler. Like, think about how yeah. he looks as, as Nigma to the public and looks as the Riddler. You can kind of look at that and be like, okay, I can kind of see why the public wouldn't necessarily put two and two together. Right. So I love it's the white cool. the white suit at the end. Oh yeah, I think it's great. It's a little flamboyant for me. It's but. flamboyant, but you know what? I'll allow it. Yeah, I liked well. it. Uh, <laughs> not yeah, but the thing is, not once have I ever heard another fan acknowledge that Batman Forever gave Edward Nigma an actual reason to wear a costume and have a dual identity. And I actually like that this is it's part of this version because it makes sense. Um, what I don't like, he doesn't actually use any riddles to. to preview his crimes he only uses them to to clue bruce in that he's edward nigma right but he never actually uses the the riddles for the crimes yeah there's only only one that diamond stealing uh diamond high scene real quick right he doesn't even leave a riddle for that doesn't even do anything just there right yeah we see him do a whole bunch commit a bunch of crimes of two-face but you never see him actually leave riddles for batman to solve right 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 right. that's my big problem with that uh, let's see, what other stuff do I have? The box. Okay, so this is like a weird, wacky sci-fi thing, which it feels like. But if you look at it from today's context, we have 3D television sets. I and have an Oculus Rift right, right here. We have VR. We have, we're also talking about social media and corporations having access to a private information. It's not literally the mind-zapping powers that the box has, but it is about a big businessman having access to all our secrets and spying on us, that type of stuff. It's... It's good sci-fi concepts it's a weird, right right in this movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a weird thing where it's just like, okay, from the context when we grew up with it, I'm like, okay, there's a nice wacky idea for Riddler <laughs> to be. But now I'm watching in 2019, and I'm like, oh, this is like a cartoon version of reality in yes. a way of, of what people are actually concerned about. I, I thought the same thing while I yeah. was watching it, yes. So it's kind of weirdly foreshadowing uh, in a way. I'd love to see a rebooted version of Riddler that's actually along the lines of this Riddler with the same type of stuff, just done a little less cartoonish, but along the same lines of like social media, that type he's of stuff. He's hacking like Facebook's, you know, all that kind of shit. Like, like he's a new Zuckerberg. Like that's why a lot of people say that Eisenberg would have been a better Riddler than Alex Luthor. My Luther. God, man. Yeah, are you kidding me? That, yeah. It was ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. keep going. Um, this Riddler also predates the comic book Riddler in finding out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. 
Okay. Because they did that in Hush. In Hush, okay. Riddler at the end says that, hey, I took a dip in the Lazarus pit and it gave me an epiphany. And that epiphany is that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Okay. In this one, it's actually a lot better because instead of just having a random epiphany, he actually tricks Bruce Wayne into getting his mind read by the invention. And through that, right. he figures out that that's right. that he's Batman. Hey, everybody. It's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into or uh, import game, please go to RetroCo.com. That's Retro-KO.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to RetroCo.com, you can also go to Facebook.com slash RetroCo with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European, Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Superhouse discount. That, that part was weird to me because I know that it, it helps move the plot along and everything, but I just feel like Bruce Wayne wouldn't have like fallen for that. Like He's going to read my mind right now? Well, I don't think he knew about the reading minds thing, but I mean, I I I I, I know what you're talking about. He that just was fell not, into it. Yeah, all, yeah. He a little too much. Yeah, right? yeah. He wanted to investigate, which is kind of cool, but like he was kind of trusting who he thought was Nigma's girlfriend. Maybe he was, was somewhat weird. hypnotized while he was in there, and he just couldn't move away. Maybe, like, yeah. I don't know. I just thought that that kind of it, it stood out to me. I don't think they thought that much through. When they, they probably did not when they put that in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's also something ironic about Bruce getting screwed over by an invention that he rejected. And if you look at the specific moment of him getting rejected, it's sure he's like, oh, yeah, it raises too many question marks to Edward. But he does. He leaves Edward, ignores him because he sees the bat signal. It's Bruce Wayne creating a villain for himself because he chose to he chose Batman. Right. You know, so. Edward becoming Riddler because Batman lets Batman get in the way of civilian work is kind of a poetic thing. Right. Again, nobody really fucking talks about this when it comes to this movie, but it, it's 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 legit. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's, it's there. Part of it's it. There, it's part yes. of it. The yes. comic book version doesn't have the same layers. It doesn't have any of that elements. It's it's just literally like I'm smart. I want to destroy. I want to be a criminal and everything. Like this is this is how you redo a villain's origin is through this. But since since then, the Riddler has gotten much more fleshed out. I would assume. Uh, he has. I mean, they talk, but it's not the same. Like they they talk about like he has an abu- he had an abusive father now who like made him tell the truth or something. That's why he has a compulsion to like leave riddles to like give clues to himself. I'm like, okay, okay I get it, but. It's not quite the same thing because it's not tied to Batman. There's nothing. There's no version of the Riddler origin that makes it as personal as this movie. Really? So okay. So you think this is one of the better? Origins? I think this is one of the better origins for Riddler. The only okay. one better is the one that I pitched, <laughs> with, okay. with him being the private investigator yes, who wants yes. to one of Batman. Uh, but I'm kind of biased. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, Riddler storms Wayne Manor, destroys the Batmobile. Forces Batman to choose between a crime-fighting ally and his girlfriend. These are all things that we would see in later Batman movies. 
we'd see Rosal Ghoul destroy Wayne Manor and storm Wayne Manor. We would see him, we would see Joker destroy the Batmobile in Dark Knight, and we would see Joker make Batman choose between Harvey Dent and Rachel in that case. We just had right. a more cartoony version of it years before, but Riddler made him do that. So, like, yes, he's played by Jim Carrey. Yes, he's played by a very over-the-top comedian, but, like, there's so much to this version of Riddler that nobody fucking talks about Yeah, until this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so those are, those are my thoughts on Riddler. Before we go on to the next one, yeah. I actually want to go back to Batman real quick. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Of course. Um, it is Batman. Yeah. So what? this is the shit that I really want to dig into. Sure. What is Bruce Wayne's character arc in this movie? Because you shed some really great light on the other ones, mm-hmm. stuff that was taken out from the script, and maybe this is getting into the next episode. A little bit, but for what we saw in what we saw of this movie... Um, it seems that he is trying to find the balance between being Bruce Wayne and being Batman. So, okay. All right. That's why at the end he says, I, you see, I had to save them both. I'm both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Not because I have to be, but because I choose to be. He's trying to find balance in his life. Right. So that's why his own her name is Chase Meridian. That's why uh, you got a villain for Batman, a villain for Bruce Wayne. Uh, there's that's why there's different um, there's that battle between Bruce and Batman that's kind of going out throughout the movie very it's a lot more obvious in the original scripts and we'll go over that in the next episode but okay it's uh, stuff like as I already mentioned him he basically creates the Riddler by choosing Batman over Bruce Wayne in the beginning he okay yeah, yeah. and then uh, the fact that he can't really make a move as Bruce Wayne without Batman's life coming in the way. Like, Bruce Wayne makes two public appearances in this movie, and they get crashed both times by Two-Face. Right, right, <laughs> Wanting right. to take down Batman. Right. The, his girlfriend doesn't even, is, like, in love with his alter ego at okay, any point. Right. Whenever he's like, okay, I got a chance, it's Batman. She's like, no, I like Bruce Wayne. Whenever he thinks he has a chance, it's Bruce Wayne. She likes Batman. Like, he right. can't, like, it's always the other guy getting in the way. But then he turns to camera and smiles. And so he turns, <laughs> which has been memed all over the internet. <laughs> but yes. I mean, so. Okay, this makes sense. Uh, so yeah, that, this stuff kind gets of kind of lost in these movies sometimes. It but this makes does. Okay. Yeah. But wait till I tell you what was originally in it. Oh, my God. Well, stay tuned for the next <laughs> stay episode. Stay tuned everybody. for the next episode. Okay, keep going, man. All right. That's, I think we can. Uh, yeah. Um, let's talk about Robin for a bit. Okay, sounds good. Forty-five-year-old um, Chris O'Donnell, Kevin Smith, fucking hilarious joke. I'll repeat his joke, but forty-five-year-old Chris O'Donnell shows up. So, as I was telling Andrew through this, Dick Grayson's supposed to be sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> Chris O'Donnell was twenty-five, but also looks maybe even older than twenty-five. He looks older than twenty-five, but <laughs> yeah. it was the nineties. Uh, but here's the thing: for for a character that everybody's like, oh god, when you bring in Robin, it lightens it. Robin's subplot in this doesn't actually lighten the movie. Yeah, Robin's, it does not. Robin's part in this movie is actually what makes it serious. Yeah, all the stuff with Chris O'Donnell and Val Kilmer, all those scenes with them together, actually makes this movie. It's the over-the-top shit that people give you know give this movie shit about. It's Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey. It's yeah. Nicole Kidman sort of like thrusting out her tits in front of Val Kilmer and all that shit. Like it's that's what gets people sugar and spice. Yeah, like it just. <laughs> And just the bright colors, but like the actual Robin stuff, it's somewhat faithful to the actual Robin story, at least in terms of the circus stuff. Because remember, we could have like not had that if they brought him into Batman Returns. He could have been a mechanic played by Marlon Wayans. Right. Right. Yes. 
Uh, Could have been. There's a lot of different things that I like about this. There's the whole. There's all the scenes with Dick and Bruce in the Batcave talking about revenge and killing and and, and all that. That's very. That if that stuff wasn't in there, this would we we would probably have less praise for this movie. I was surprised how good those scenes were, and it's so on target with the source mm-hmm. material, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it's played yeah. very well. Yeah, by both actors, it's I think very good. They put some elements. That they they were telling Chris O'Donnell um, when they were making this. They were like, "Sure, he's Dick Grayson, but we're we're trying to put elements of all the different Robins in this." Yeah. So the more yeah. rebellious side to him is from Jason Todd. Yeah. The part that wants to kill Two-Face is actually from Jason Todd because Jason Todd's dad was killed by Two-Face in the comics. Right, right, right. They kind of played along with the whole... They established this around the same time as the movie, but I don't know if it's because of the movie or what, but Robin and Two-Face kind of have this weird rivalry going on throughout the comics in each incarnation. So, like, when Dick Grayson was Robin, Two-Face had Batman and a judge hostage and forced... Robin to make a choice, and Robin tried to make the right choice, and instead it got the judge killed, and so Dick Grayson is always haunted by Two-Face. Okay. And then Two-Face then killed Willis Todd, uh, who was Jason Todd's dad, and so Jason Todd wanted revenge on him. And then when Tim Drake decided he wanted to help out and be Robin, who was the first villain he had to go up against, Two-Face. Okay. So like, there's this weird, like, every Robin who comes in, and there's something poetic about, like, Batman's actual ally versus the guy who used to be his ally. Okay, right, type right, of right, thing, right, where right. Just like I'm the failed partner. The writing just thing. works out better that way. Yeah, something, yeah. something about that. So, uh, I like those elements. Uh, I like the different shots of Batman and Robin in this. There's the handshake in the Batcave. There's the two caped figures hanging by, you know, the when they're hanging by the line when he yeah. when he saves him at the end. There's the silhouettes against the bat signal in the yes, final part. That's, yes, that's yes. pretty epic. That's a really uh, heroic, uh, epic shot yeah. of Robin uh, near the end too. It's better than mo- most of the Batman shots. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, the, the only thing is the actual Robin, con- I didn't really notice until this viewing, but I'm just like, there's something almost too anatomically correct about Robin's yeah, costume. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, what that can you say? I maybe mean, that's why he's 25 and not 16, because if he was 16, that'd be a little, a little too much, yeah, I if, mean, in that, if it was that suit. It's ambiguous maybe, yeah. in the movie, but the. But, but yeah, the suit is, um, you know, it was the director's choice, <laughs> Schumacher's choice, you yeah. know, whatever. But it's just not the position I would have made. And also the Robin suits, the circus suits too, they have the same thing. It's got this, yeah, you know, it's, it's the, anatomically it's the correct, you know, thing going on. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, well. It's you're talking about the traditional. Jared like, from Labyrinth kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I was talking more about, like, how the his muscles were outlined and everything. Like, there's even a part where you can oh, you yeah. can see, like, the sculpted ass of Robin yeah. as the cape goes up. And I'm not even talking about the ass shot of Batman in the new sonar suit. Yeah, like, this is another yeah. ass shot. I'm like, what the hell? Like, yeah, I didn't need to yeah, see that. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. Speaking of changed costumes in that one. Uh, Forever also gives a story explanation. This is before uh, Dark Knight. It, it beat Dark Knight to giving a story explanation of Batman switching costumes. Oh yeah, yeah, true, yeah. In a way that kind of actually made more sense. It was just like, oh, like he. This is the first time the costume change, right? The other Batman Returns and Batman. 89 yeah, this don't is the first time it. where he wears a different costume at the end. Yeah. Um, and he has lenses. Remember in Dark yes, Knight where he has true. those lenses type things to look better. He, this is the first time we actually had the lenses in the bat suit. So. Again, this is another example of Batman Forever being ahead of its time. That so when he uses the sonar, when he has that that riddle he gives to the Riddler. Yeah. I remember in the theater as a kid. <laughs> I'm 11. Actually, I was still probably 10 because my birthday's in August. Mm-hmm. It came out in July or something, right? Yeah. Um, I uh I remember thinking, really, the answer to his riddle is bat. Is bats? <laughs> really? I don't think he was trying to be clever there. I think he was just being dramatic. <laughs> At that point, I the showmanship, you, but part it was of just still like you could have been clever and dramatic. Yeah, you know, I don't that's know. true. It was just, it was just <laughs> I remember thinking that in the theater. That's all I got to say. Yep. Uh, all right, well, we got one last character left. Woo! Who is it? Spice, <laughs> Two Face. Oh yeah, him, <laughs> dude. Okay, so <laughs> take um, it away, Andrew. I'm surprised at how little he's explained. <laughs> Almost none. It's one shot of the news thing. Yeah. You know, him in the courtroom, you know, the the classic origin, like you said, off air. And other than that, like, he talked about one-dimensional, man. He is pretty one-dimensional. In he just wants to kill movie. Batman, and that's it, yeah. That's it, which I, I respect them not taking 40 minutes of our fucking lives trying to explain True. Yeah. him left and right and, like, his backstory with Bruce and all that. Like, I get how they want to get to the punch. By the way, great opening. You know, opens right on a huge 20-minute action sequence. Mm-hmm. That's good. I would take that with every Batman movie. But, you know, they could have done more with this. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, I've even when I was a kid to this day, sort of miscast, kind of. Like, he's okay. And the, <laughs> and, the, and the makeup, too, is... It said Rick Baker to the makeup for this. so I think so, yeah. So respect to him, but it just kind of feels like... It could have been better. I don't know what it is like. The, mm-hmm. the colors too, purple and pink, just so strange. It's to very me. garish. Yeah, there's a very garish element to the the way that the villains look in this. Yeah, like even the the shade of green on Riddler next to Two Face. I'm watching it. I'm just like, geez, they really went over the top with the colors <laughs> here. Yeah, <clears throat> and you know what? They could have like people talk about that rumor. I think a lot of people listening to this might already know this since this, everybody's fucking nerds listening to this podcast, just <laughs> right. like us. Mm-hmm. But um, that that rumor that Tommy Lee Jones is really going over the top to combat uh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah. This is before Men in Black, right? So he probably should have yeah. taken a page from his Men in Black performance where it's like, no, man, you're funny because you're understated. It would have been totally... yeah. And scarier too, and I know this movie isn't super scary, but mm-hmm. there's some scary elements to the movie. I mean, that shot of the bat was scary as fuck to me when I was a kid, flapping in the darkness. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I feel like they could have, he, he could have, instead of com- competing with him, he could have done, 
he could have chosen something but else. But the straight man to, yes, uh, to, yes, to carry. And yes, everything. please. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the character is kind of written a little bit over the top in the script. So it, it's I can see where he went with that. Uh, I mean, there's not really much I can say about Two-Face that hasn't already been said either online or by Andrew just now. It's not my preferred take on Two-Face. I think if you're going to do Two-Face, you have to, you absolutely have to introduce it through the origin. If you don't do it through the origin, you eliminate so much shit about the backstory, about how they used to be friends and everything. There's not a lot of exploration of that in this movie. Also because you're trying to also set up Riddler and Robin and Trace Meridian and everything. But like, yes, I mean, Two-Face, other than Chase Meridian, is, is way more underdeveloped than Robin and Riddler in this movie. Uh a few things, though, that I think get overlooked about this version of Two-Face is uh, he brings up a lot of the comic book elements of Two-Face that we still, to this day, have not seen in live action yet. Because in The Dark Knight, yes, like Aaron Eckhart, I thought was great as Two-Face, but he was Two-Face for five minutes in this. Yeah. It's yeah, hard to compare, yeah. but like... That realistic, like, half CGI face yeah. was... Uh, to this day incredible yeah no That's I, a different version. I prefer that yeah, yeah, yeah. however like to, if i'm being fair here the tommy lee jones two-face is a more comic book accurate two-face you got the two-tone suits that is true you got the two-tone suits eckhart's two-face kind of had one but it was more like it was burnt it just happened to be burnt in halfway as opposed to like tommy lee jones actually has a whole bunch of the two-tone suits that's like the comics he's got the two themed crime you know second bank of gotham on the second anniversary caught him He's got his own gang of thugs. He's this is the only time that we got to see the courtroom origin. Yeah, that's true. Face, that's true. Uh, didn't do it in the animated series. Didn't do it in Dark Knight, which also makes me wonder. I'm just like, what's the point of having Boss Maroney around if you don't actually have him beat the guy to to throw the ass in his face? But whatever. They say that's Boss Maroney. You even have Batman in the courtroom. <laughs> yeah, which is wild. <laughs> which is wild. But uh, if you look at the '40s comics, that's exactly how it turned down. So it was actually a really. To be fair, it is probably the most faithful adaptation of a villain origin in these movies so far. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> of just it's just a villain origin because they didn't do the Red Hood. They didn't do the Red Hood with Joker in, in oh, eighty nine. And then Penguin and Catwoman, they they did their own thing. And then Riddler, obviously, they did their own thing. But this time I'm just like, oh, this is a really accurate version of Two Face. It's you know, you can argue about how well it was done. It was kind of just like, okay, it's just kind of a uh, just casually thrown in there in the, in the TV show but it's yeah, done that yeah. he has the dual themed hideout which is an element that goes that does date back to his first appearance he had that in his first appearance I forgot all it's about even that in, man it's even in the Dark Knight Returns Drew Barrymore yeah um, he doesn't there's hints at a dual personality because he keeps talking about we or using us like you know yeah, yeah, yeah. multiple people type of thing um, love the shot of the close up of the coin going up and flipping in the air in the beginning to introduce him yeah that was cool yeah uh, and then just in general, the makeup, even though I do prefer Eckhart's look in Dark Knight, yeah. it's a little bit more traditional and in line. You don't see bone. It's one sort of uniform color. Yes, it looks like he got painted with purple paint, but whatever. It's it's how it looked like in the comics. And then Was the he always hair, pink and purple? That, 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 uh, it always changed. So um, he is green, I think, in the first appearance. He's like a bluish green in the animated series, yeah. right? But I think he was the first. Yeah, he was green in the '40s comics. Okay, whenever uh, the the purple is unique to the Schumacher Two Face. Okay, <laughs> um, just like the bright red hair and that shade of green on Riddler is unique to that Riddler. But this is he's he's even got the wild discolored hair on the scarred side too. So yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah. it is. 
more comic accurate, even if I don't you know, prefer this over the Eckhart Two-Face. I can say, like, this is a more traditional version of Two-Face. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I yeah. do wish for a movie about duality, this is this is this was a character they could have done a lot more with. That is true. The guy that that had that can't find balance at all between mm-hmm. his two personalities. Yeah. Yeah. also weirdly another influence on Dark Knight here where like he's also called Harvey Two-Face uh-huh. and uh, there's the whole Two-Face falls to his death and then the coin yes. lands on the good side I'm sure yes. you noticed that too yes and uh, I'm like huh that looks familiar so I remember being so impressed as a kid in the theater when he just throws all those coins <laughs> up you know I just thought that was so cool I thought it was a fucking great scene man that was it impressed me as a kid, and I and I, when I saw it today again, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." It's just it's a cool way to uh, exploit your villain's uh, uh, mental state. Yeah, you know what I mean. Instead of throwing a punch at him, throw these coins in, it makes the guy go fucking nuts. Well, if you think about it, like I'm thinking about how Keaton defeated the villains. A lot of times, it was through gadgets, was through yeah, yeah. different fights, things like that. Kilmer used that was him using his brain. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's why I, I like that. I would say that the Schumacher Batman may actually be a smarter Batman than the Burton version. I'd say at least for forever. I got to see Batman and Robin. Okay, well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. Bat- forever, <laughs> I think I might agree with you on that one, actually. We're saying, we have some, a lot of hot takes today. Yes. But, but I think you're probably right. I think a lot of fans who hate this movie are like listening to this and blowing like <laughs> brains out. They're like, what the fuck? Fucking Batman forever <laughs> nerds over here. Never heard of this before. I mean, look, we're not saying it's the best Batman movie. We're just saying that there's so much more to appreciate about it that nobody talks about because they're too busy talking about the nipples on the suit, which does not really make it a bad movie. It's just a, a choice that puts it over the top. It's. I mean, look, like we said with the Robin design choices, that's <laughs> also another... T- design choice that I personally would not have made. I would not have put nipples on the bat suit. That is Earring ridiculous. Earring on Dick Grayson. <laughs> Earring. Well, you know, you know what? That's fine. I actually would let that go. It's just the, the, the nipples on the bat suit really is not the way to go. But, <laughs> you know. But also, like, I don't so, really like notice saying, it. There's so yeah. much else good about this movie. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, yes, it, very much. I mean, it's so weird, like, looking back, man. Like, there was such a long period of time where people just shat on this film because I think also mm-hmm. Batman and Robin's legacy quote unquote taints right. this movie yeah. retroactively I think, so. I think so too yeah. yeah a lot of people get them mixed up because Robin shows up in this one and they think it's called Batman and Robin yes which would probably make more sense to be honest but still that's yes. not how it turned out it should have had, maybe even had the names changed man but, but maybe, yes, yeah. yes 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 it'd be ironic to call the last movie Batman Forever and we're like whoops that destroyed oh, yeah. the franchise yeah true well they didn't know that at the time <laughs> yeah no no, no of course but, not Going back to whenever he throws the coins up, yeah, 
seeing this today, uh, I kind of wish that Batman had made some effort at least to shoot the grappling hook and try to get his gun to grab his leg before he fell down or yeah, something to save too. Two-Face because it, it, I, I know it's his fault for going after the coins, right. but it kind of seems like Batman should have known that he was going to fall from it doing that. So it's, it's almost like he straight up kills Two-Face. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It plays off like he killed Two-Face and robbed Robin of his revenge. Yeah. Because whenever I see great. that scene, I always feel uncomfortable when it has a close-up on Robin, and I guess it's supposed to be Robin feeling like he got avenged, but I'm like, well, no, I think he's feeling like he got cheated because fucking Bruce decided he was going to... Because Bruce spends the whole movie being like, so you're willing to take a life. Don't do it. You'll be yeah. in the dark. And then he yeah. just flat out just does it in front of him. It's <laughs> not written well, man. That part's not... I know we're... It doesn't quite yeah. add up. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's that's another thing. We uh, This is the first time in live action that Batman's brought up uh, not taking a life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keaton never really talks that much about it. He tries to stop Selena from killing Max Shrek, but that's also like maybe 20 minutes after he shoved that well, bomb down that guy's. Yeah. <laughs> he shoved yeah. that bomb down that strong man's pants. So I'm yeah. like, eh, like, I don't know, dude. Like, at least in this one, he doesn't really. He's not as blatantly at fault for anything. Like, yeah, he does move the Batmobile out of the way and Two Face's thing hits the, the car behind him, but. I don't think Batman necessarily knew that was going to happen either. Like it's 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 kind of ambiguous. The Two Face one is the only thing that really bothers me. Schumacher's got a more comic book accurate Batman. <laughs> he 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 might. I mean this this Batman feels like more of a more of the comic book superhero. Yeah. Than the Burton one to be to be frank with everybody on this, but that is pre you know well, cool pre, yeah. urban legend cool stuff Batman. This is back to sixties. Or you know, yeah, sort of cheesy the, comic book Batman, but still lovable Batman. Yeah, this is the this is the very competent Batman who he can be a detective. Yeah, as we saw, there's some detective stuff. It's not blatant, but it's in there. But he's also a pro fighter. He's got all the yeah. gadgets yeah. and everything. He can be a mentor to Dick Grayson. He can, you know, he can be the playboy Bruce Wayne. Like yeah. there's a lot of stuff in here that we just frankly just didn't get from the Burton one. Yeah, and again, nobody really fucking talks about it. But it's like you can't deny the facts. Yeah. So that brings me to the final question: Ranking. Where do you rank Batman for? We're not obviously Mask of the Phantasm is is we've I've, I've eliminated that from any ranking because we're always going <laughs> to rank that number one. Uh, yeah. Batman Forever. How does it rank for you between uh, B eighty nine and uh, Batman Returns? It's uh, like I said in the early in the podcast. I used to have the hot take of Forever being better than Returns, but I think I officially retract that. <laughs> And and it just goes in order. I'm I'm 89, returns and then forever. But forever is really enjoyable. Yeah. People have shot on this movie for too long. Um, Maddie used to have this thing that he never really got off the air or got got uh, you know working on the podcast. But we we were going to have this uh, section called "Was it really that bad?" <laughs> or something like that. I think we just did it for him. And yeah. So this is kind of like kind of like that. Like this. Like you've heard over the past hour of this podcast, there's a lot good for it. There's a mm-hmm. lot good going on in this movie. Um, it's a little below Returns, but not much lower. Right. Okay. So with Batman Returns, I rank that above B89 if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to that one. Uh, I agree with Andrew in that I would rank Batman Forever below the Burton ones, um, despite the fact that there's a lot of good to it. It does try to focus more on Bruce Wayne. Um, however, it just doesn't quite have the same emotional story 
uh, or arc to it that the Catwoman arc did in Batman Returns, nor does it really have the sort of, uh, I hate to say uniformity, but I don't know what else to call it. Like Batman 89 just feels like, it feels like uh, one solid dark movie uh, with a few cartoonish elements in it, whereas this one is just all over the place. It's a cartoon yes. with the villains yes. who are supposed to be threatening, and it's super serious at times. It's a comedy. It's supposed to be for kids, but then also has some weird sexual innuendos. Like it, it's all over the place. So I would rank Batman Forever below the the Burton movies. However, if they actually brought to life what was in the original drafts, I probably and they did it uh, as well as they if they did it in a slightly different direction, it could have been better than the Burton movies. What a excellent segue to the next <laughs> episode that we will do. Are we going to get into the novelization as We're well? We're going to get into the novelization the too, yeah. All right, guys, look. <laughs> definitely check out the next episode, uh, the part two of this for that, because that shit, Ben and I have talked a little bit about this. Yeah. That shit's fucking fascinating. <laughs> yes. Um, so stay tuned for that, and I think we're going to wrap it up here for this one. This has been Andrew and, uh, and co-host. This is, <laughs> this, is, this is Ben Juan, the co-host now. Senior Batman co-host <laughs> of Superhouse. He leveled up recently. <laughs> should have happened a long time ago. We are just bad at that. Anyway, um, catch us out on Patreon.com slash Superhouse Podcast. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Superhouse Podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We update our Facebook the most as far as our social media engagement currently. Instagram being number two. Twitter we don't really give a fuck about, but we're there. <laughs> yeah. And um, other than that, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. Ben is... I am Ben Juan Ryder on Instagram, where I either talk about uh, Superhouse or uh, my cats, or I promote uh, being a dating coach. So <laughs> it's very eclectic. Actually, stuff. can you spell spell out Ben Juan? Sure. B-E-N-W-A-N. And then writer as in uh, writing. So W-R-I-T-E-R. I, I tell people Ben Juan Ryder, and they usually write R I D E R. I'm like, what do you think I write? <laughs> Horses, man. <laughs> um, I think that's going to do it for this time. Oh, thank you, Shasta, of course, uh, for always being there on our Patreon. And um, I think that's going to do it. This is Andrew signing off. This is Ben signing off. I got your mind twisted. Unrealistic wavelength draining on your brain, strength inflicted. Crosswords puzzling your doubt, questioning your own mental health. Yeah, it's like a maze within itself. Yeah, check the grimy, slimy, slimy, criminal menial individuality. Searching for the dark night, working in the shadows of the city. Hero with Jiggy, my crime committee, robbing every coffin, piggy bank blind. Take a journey through the mind of a riddler. Time felony offender, demented, brain cemented, mixing the blender, illusion, mass confusion, question mark, closing, what, where, why, who's in, quiz, time to ask yourself who it is, shiesty be you know, underhanded biz, invaded brother's wigs.